Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor. There. He is. Right. He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers oil for the student newspaper there, the oil of Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome into another calendar year of the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. It is awesome to be back with you again. Hope everybody celebrated the new year and you're ready to put 2021 behind us. And we're going to move on to 2022. Hopefully, things are a little bit brighter this year than they have been the last couple years. Um, We've got a lot to talk about on the show today. And I, I wish it was... Good news, all good news. We do have some good news to talk about, too. I mean, DeMar DeRozan had an amazing two-day stretch there. But we are starting the show today on a somber note. Um, I talked about this last week in my last five minutes. Um, Friend of the show, former guest on the show, friend of mine, Jeff Dickerson passed away this week at the age of 44, after a bout with colon cancer. Um, I've been dreading this show since I heard the news, to be honest with you. And this is the struggle of me as a host, as my own producer, is I'm going to ramble. And I apologize for that. Normally a producer would be there telling me to shut up and move on and keep moving. I'm going to ramble, but bear with me, please. But this has been tough. You know, Jeff Dickerson impacted a lot of lives, including mine. Um, I told this story last week. I had an instructor who worked at ESPN Chicago, Roman Madrowski. He connected me with JD sophomore year, and the connection was instant. And we kept in touch. He did color for a lot of Loyola games. I obviously covered Loyola, so I saw him and Jordan Burnfield all the time. And we'd always talk. I mean, we always just chatted how things are going. He always asked how things are going with me out of just the goodness of his heart. He always asked how things were with school and eventually the job search. Um, I do want to share one story before I get to how I'm paying tribute today. Um, The best advice JD ever gave me. It was in March of 2018. I was at Arch Madness with other reporters from the Loyal Phoenix, Rambo Sports Locker, we went every year. This was an annual thing to go down to St. Louis to, it was Scott Trade Center, now it's Enterprise Center. And we were at Arch Madness in the press conference, and we're walking out, and I see JD. I didn't know he was going to be there. I'm like, oh, JD, what's going on? And we're, we're 
chatting and catching up because I didn't expect to see him. And there was something, uh, he was there, something with his late wife, Caitlin's family. And he was there and he decided to come to Arch Madness. And, you know, we're talking about, we were going to head up and write our stories, get things together. And he brought up the locker room. Because the locker room, before COVID, obviously, there was availability in the locker room where you could go in and talk to the players after the games. And we never did that. Just didn't really think about it. And I said, no, I don't think we're going to go. I think we're going to head back up. And he turned to me, and he's, he's nosing his phone. I don't know what he was doing. He was nosing his phone to even look up. He said, always go to the locker room. So I looked at my editors, and they didn't want to, and I – I went. I didn't. I, I went on my own, and I don't think they liked that too much. But it ended up being the best thing he ever taught me because Loyola made March Madness, and you know the rest is history. To the Final Four, there's locker room access at the Final Four too, and I knew how to operate in a locker room setting because JD told me to go to the locker room, and I followed him. And I could never thank him enough for everything. That's why I've been so on Twitter promoting Parker's fun, which has been incredible to see. Um, the update, I have, it, I have it up right in front of me here. The latest update is $1,067,890 to JD's son, Parker, who I met that weekend because we went to the Arch and ran into Jeff and Parker. So he's a great kid. He's now lost both his parents in a couple of years' time. I couldn't even imagine it. He's 11 years old, great athlete. And JD was gracious enough to come on the show almost a year ago to the day. And we had a really great conversation about the Bears. We talked Loyola Hoops, too. And it went from an interview to two guys talking, two friends talking. And that's how I'm going to pay tribute to JD today is I'm going to replay that conversation because it was so much fun. And he was in this space it was less than a year ago. And then over the course of the year, he got diagnosed with colon cancer. He fought it. He was still a dad for Parker. He was actually playing both parents for Parker because he lost Caitlin almost three years ago now. And looking back at it, him taking out this time, I'm forever grateful. So as I said, I'm going to ramble. I'm going to stop rambling. I'm going to go ahead and play this. Here is Jeff Dickerson last year after the Bears season ended. Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm Nick Schultz, and I'm very excited to welcome in Jeff Dickerson to the show. He's the Bears reporter for ESPN NFL Nation, and you can hear him on game night. 7 to Midnight on ESPN Radio. And if you want, if you watch Loyola Basketball, you see him and Jordan Burnfield call a lot of the games. So probably talk a little Loyola Basketball. J.D., thank you so much for taking the time. Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Nick, happy New Year, brother. It is great to be with you on this busy uh, sports Saturday here. Yeah, we're recording this on Wild Card Saturday. I've got the Bills game up on my TV right here. It looks like it's going to come down to the wire. That's been a, a good game so far. But we're talking playoff football for the Bears, which uh, – I didn't expect to be talking about four or five weeks ago. Did you expect to be here? After they began five and one, really, there's no excuse. There would have been no excuse for them to miss the playoffs, quite frankly. I mean, I think the, the sad part of this is that 
they open five and one and Bears fans have to spend week 17 on pins and needles. And then the Bears can't even do it themselves. They have to get help from the Rams to beat the Cardinals to get in. So, yeah, like you should make the playoffs when you begin the year five and one. What you shouldn't do is enter in as the last seed in your conference, losing seven of your last 10 games. So I, I kind of feel like, you know, look, playoff games don't happen around here much as you know, Nick. I think every Bears fan will be watching Sunday, you know, rooting for the Bears against the Saints. It feels a little hollow because I think they raised expectations in the year that they would have had a better finish than how they finished. And except for that Tampa game, they just haven't beaten anybody really good this season. So how does that factor into them pulling a big upset on the road against New Orleans? It's tough to see it happen. But it is nice, at least the first weekend of, of wildcard football, that we're talking about the Bears and not being like, oh, they fired this person, that person, this person, is that they're actually playing in a playoff game. Yeah, that's what I keep telling people. Playoff football is playoff football. And I, I keep saying the Bears didn't make the playoffs necessarily because they backed in. They're in the playoffs. I feel like there's a difference there with how the season ended, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to – you have to note the manner in which they went in. Now, they have gone to, I feel like, great lengths to, to change the narrative. You know, we heard a lot the last couple of days about, well, we put ourselves in this position. We won three in a row. And that is true. But, Nick, I mean, they beat Houston, garbage. Minnesota, bad this year. Jacksonville, worst team in the NFL. And then they get to week 17, which I really thought was like sort of a prove-it game against the Packers, and they, they get blown out. I mean, it, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a terrible game. I mean, it was competitive until around the fourth quarter, but then Green Bay shows you just how much better they are. They open things up in the offense, and boom, boom, boom. They score a couple of extra touchdowns. That's what, 35-16 or whatever the final score was. So, yeah, I mean, they, there's no question, like when you say the Bears – they backed into the playoffs. They actually had fought back to control their own destiny, and they couldn't finish the deal. If not for the Rams uh, beating Arizona, again, the Bears are, are home this week, and, and who knows what would have happened uh, on Monday or Tuesday in terms of changes they might have made. And since we are talking about the playoffs, we can preview the game they're facing the Saints. We'll jump in the wayback machine to week eight. These teams went to overtime. Obviously, that's half a season to go a little more than that. How do you think these two teams match up this time around, especially with Alvin Kamara coming back from the COVID list? It, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like the bears are going to catch too many breaks. I mean, the Saints are going to be without one of their best pass rushers, one of their best offensive linemen and tier offensive linemen. So they're going to be missing a couple of starters, but they are getting Alvin Kamara back. They're getting Michael Thomas back. They're getting CJ Gardner Johnson back. Who's a big instigator as every bears fan knows. In the secondary, he's the guy that Javon Wims punched. He's also the guy that was was taunting Tariq Cohen a couple of years ago. So he likes to run his mouth. And then on the flip side for the Bears, you know, Roquan Smith has been ruled out. So he will not play because of his elbow. Darnell Mooney has been ruled out because of his ankle injury. There's no buster screen because of his concussion. Now, Jalen Johnson, I think, is going to play. But he was limited all week. So once you have... If you've ever had a shoulder issue, once you have one, it's likely to have two and three. And Johnson's had countless shoulder problems. Now another one this year, 
So you always ask yourself a question with someone with this condition is, okay, he's going to come back. I know he's going to fight to come back. He wants to play. He can start the game. Can he finish the game? I mean, that's what we'll kind of see at tomorrow where things go. I mean, look, the Bears, there's, there's, the Bears can win. It's just they're going to have to play flawless football. And they haven't shown that ability against teams that are really good. You know, they can push around the Jacksonville's of the world and, um, well, Detroit, not really. I mean, they split with them. and should have lost both, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, Minnesota they split with. But, I mean, inferior teams, they can do the job. But to beat the good teams, you can't make critical errors. You've got to capitalize on the plays when they're there to be made. And how many interceptions, Nick, did they drop against the Packers last week? Three? Like, how Something do you like that. You can't beat a team like Green Bay. And if Aaron Rodgers is going to give you three interceptions and you drop all three, like that just can't happen. So um, it's not a great matchup. Uh, they're, they're underdogs for a reason. I kind of feel like most people, and I, I talked to a lot of people nationally, have really looked at this game and, and they're like, it's kind of a, almost a write-off game. I mean, I think the only other team that, that nationally – um, people are less excited about the Bears or Washington because of their record and the fact they played in the NFC East. But that being said, crazy stuff happens. It is the playoffs. You never know. Uh, but I would say going in, again, I can see why they're they're not being picked by many to win. Yeah, I see both. I keep thinking, too, like, yeah, they went to overtime week eight. I feel like the Bears are a different team now. They were – I feel like they were a little more confident back then. That was before the losing streak really picked up. So I, I really feel like the underdog this time, like I'm not sure if I'm going to pick them, but I don't know if it's going to be like a blowout necessarily. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, um, I mean, I think I picked like a nine point game. I think the line as of, as of yesterday was 10. I could be wrong. I'm not, a, not super up to speed on my gambling. I think lines. that's I the last game. I saw. I think yeah. the last I saw was 10, 10 and a half. It's a lesson for the kids out there. I don't make enough money to gamble. Don't gamble. Uh, uh, I'm gonna, I'll just but, stay quiet on that. <laughs> all right, Nick. Well, you, you've got disposable <laughs> income here with all your, your vast media empire. You can, you can gamble. Uh, but, uh, but, but, yeah, I, I, I do think they were different back then for sure. Um, again, it's almost as if they're trying to will themselves into believing that they are the same team they were that began the year five and one. And I just don't feel that way. I think that offensively, they're a little more organized. I think their interior of the offensive line is better. Certainly, David Montgomery has been playing much better. And, and by extension of all that, Trubisky has played way better. But last week was like, uh, okay, here was the opportunity to really change perception. And they could not do that. So every time they have a chance to make a statement, they just have not done that. And again, this is a team that lost six games in a row, which in this NFL is almost impossible to do. So, hey, look, look again, I, I don't think it'll be a blowout by any means. I just don't think they have the firepower. I don't think defensively they're playing well enough to find a way to eke out a victory against the Saints, the two seed. You just hit my next question was about the defense. Obviously, it was right before we started talking. Roquan Smith was ruled out with his injury. The defense, as you said, hasn't been playing great lately. How do you think his loss will impact things against Saints? Huge loss, Nick. Huge loss. He, he's 
He's been unbelievable this year. Um, I just like he's not, and every game hasn't been perfect, but no one's going to be perfect. Right. He is so athletic. He's done such a great job in coverage this year. They're going to really miss that. I think you saw against the Packers last week when he went out and Aaron Rodgers saw like Josh Woods on the field and he was circling him or Danny Trevathan locked up in coverage. Uh, it's a huge disadvantage for the Bears and they're going to miss him uh, immensely. And then you could kind of like carry that over. I think I don't think Buster Screen has had his best year. He has missed some time here. But when you saw Duke Shelley last week, who is a young player, who I know they feel like in the future is going to have a role here. You know, screen might not be, you know, we'll see what they do with, with him and everything. But, but you, you saw Aaron Rodgers again. He saw that matchup immediately. It was like, okay, I'm going to really try to exploit this. Now, Drew Brees, to be very clear, Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. He's an unbelievable player, unbelievable career. He is not playing at the level that Aaron Rodgers is playing at right now. They're not seeing the same type of quarterback this weekend. He's still good though. Good enough and, and savvy enough and experienced enough to exploit the mismatches. So not having Roquan really hurts, not having screen hurts, and then not having Darnell Mooney, who had an excellent game against the Packers last week, who is, is by far their, their fastest player. So now you're relying more on Anthony Miller, who I think Nick has proven above all else to be very unreliable as an NFL player. You've got some great moments, but mostly it's just very mediocre and there's always some element of confusion in the wrong spot, not on the same page. So now you need a really big game out of him tomorrow in the most critical of games. And uh, that's tough because uh, I think Mooney was on a roll and he's a real exciting uh, young player. And to have him out for the playoff game is very unfortunate. I love Darnell Moody. I have since the start of the year. I didn't know much about him until the season started, but I, I love what I saw out of him. And going back to Roquan, obviously all pros came out this week. He didn't get named to the Pro Bowl. He didn't get named all pro. Do you consider that a snub? Because I consider that a sub. <laughs> I, I consider that I would love to have had a vote. I don't know why that is. I mean, he's he, it's not as if he plays in a small market. Um, the Bears defense going into like um, before like the middle of the year, they were widely considered to be you know one of the better, not the best, one of the better defenses in the NFL. And they've really they really trailed off here. I mean, I think they finished the year, I think I wrote this on ESPN.com this week. I think they were 14th in points allowed per game and 11th in total yards allowed per game. That's not what we thought as people covering the Bears, but this is supposed to be a top five group, right? That, that was a consensus going into the season. And they have not, they have not achieved that. So, but I mean, he has, he has played really great football and he's played on prime time. Um, he's just, I don't know. He's a top 10 pick, you know? So yeah, I, I am very, I, I'm surprised by that. I, I don't get too bent out of shape about pro bowls or all pros or anything, but, but that was one where um, it did kind of be like, yeah, I'm, see that again. That's not, I don't think people are really, watching what they need to watch every week and maybe they're focused on other things because I think with Roquan Smith you just have to use the eye test to tell you uh, that he is probably one of the best if not the best inside linebackers in the NFL I'm with you I don't take pro bowls with as much as I take all pro so when the all pro snub him I'm like wait a minute that doesn't seem right and someone was it 
I, I forget who it was, put his stats out on Twitter compared to the other guys and he blew him out of the water. Like if his, his stats were better and he wasn't named all pro it, I was, I was surprised, but moving on to beyond the playoffs here, let's look big picture. Look at the future. Cause I like looking at the future. Do you have any indication as to what could happen this off season with any changes? Like I know there are rumors flying around, but I feel like there's a lot of unknowns too. I think something will happen. I think, I think it will. I think, you know, if that's um, maybe a, a new uh, position above the general manager or perhaps uh, something happens with Ted Phillips in terms of maybe retirement or that's been talked about for a long time. Uh, the, the, the issue I've always felt that Maggie, this is year three. Um, you know, I, I think the offense has not been good. And it's been better lately. Okay. But it's been hard to explain away in the last, the first half of the season, or I say first 10 games of the season. And then last year, but, you know, Matt Nagy is 42 years old. This is his second playoff berth in three years. He's won a lot of games. He does a lot of things well. He does. People like him. And not every player is going to like a coach, Nick. That's just reality in the NFL. You know, I hear Kyle Long snipping about him, and I'm sure Mitch doesn't like him after being benched and everything. But for the most part, team likes him. Uh, he's enthusiastic. He's really good to people in the building. You know, so I, I just felt like I think knowing the Bears, they would have been looking for more reasons to keep him than to let him go. Now with the front office, uh, eh, you know, this is their sixth year. This is their second playoff appearance as well, two or three. Uh, but this roster is going to have to undergo a lot of changes here. Salary cap's going to go down. A lot of contract decisions have to be made. Got to figure out what's going on with your quarterback. But, you know, it's a COVID year, so they, they've lost a lot of money. It would cost them a lot of money because everyone's got at least a year left on their contract as far as the front office goes. Nagy's got two. Again, I don't think with Nagy and these coaches they just brought on, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But front office, you could could argue that, you know, maybe a change is, is, uh, is warranted. However, now there are so many teams – that have fired their GMs, that have already begun the interview process, the Bears would then get to the back of the line. Might be easier for them to keep it one more year there. I know it's not going to make Bears fans very happy, but I think something I think something needs to happen. Um, again, whether that's a, another maybe higher ranking position over the, the GM as, as far as um, on the football side, because I don't think, you know, when this is all said and done, they go out there on Sunday and lose to the Saints. Nick, would you say this has been a highly successful season? No. Right? Not at all. Right? I mean, not even at all. Not even close, right? No way. I mean, they start 5-1, and one and you could potentially, and I'm not trying to not trying to say they're losing a game before they even play the game, because they could certainly win. If they lose, it would be 8 out of 11 to end the year you lost. I don't think that's really very successful. So I think, I think something will happen. I don't think it will be of the seismic nature that a lot of Bears fans are hoping for, put it that way. Yeah, I, Bears Twitter is an interesting place. And some of the takes that have gone around there have they've made me laugh. And we're, we're talking with Jeff Dickerson of ESPN NFL Nation and Game Night on ESPN and Loyola TV analyst. One other piece of the future that I want to bring up to you, just indulge me here, J.D., there's rumors about Deshaun Watson's future in Houston. What would you give up 
for Deshaun Watson? Well, Deshaun Watson's a franchise caliber quarterback. I mean, I think I would give up whatever I had to give up for him. Um, I can't imagine the Texans trade him. I know we said this about Khalil Mack and the Raiders a couple of years ago, but Khalil Mack's a pass rusher, and this is a quarterback. Why would Nick Casario, after all the years and all the overtures from teams to leave New England, why would he finally go walk into a situation that is really bad? I mean, this Jack Easterbase, by whatever, has screwed this up, Chaplin. New owner's bad. Cal McNair is not like his father. Why would you walk into that situation and then get rid of Deshaun Watson? I mean, it just, it makes, it makes no sense. Uh, I can't even imagine they would do it. And if they were to do it, I don't think you could possibly not do it for multiple first round picks this year. I mean, you got to have like immediate instant gratification if you're going to make a deal like that. And the Bears don't have that. You know, they have, they have their first round pick, which will be, was it 19, 20, whatever it's going to be. And I think it's 20 now. Teams the Jets. Yeah. Jets and Jacksonville. We'll talk about teams that have multiple firsts, uh, multiple seconds, thirds. They need quarterbacks. So I don't I don't see the Bears fitting into this at all. I think it's it's great for conversation. I think it's fun to talk about. Uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't get I wouldn't get your hopes up because um I just I just I can't believe that you know they're treating Deshaun Watson the way they are because Nick, I'm gonna tell you something, he's an awesome player. And they better be careful because how they, they've already screwed this up trading DeAndre Hopkins away. Bill O'Brien was a disaster. The new guy's not good. Um, so they gotta get this thing figured out. They're they're not gonna go anywhere as a franchise without their franchise quarterback. So they better find a way to smooth this thing over uh, because uh, the last thing they can afford to do, I don't think is trade Deshaun Watson. So I should get Deshaun Watson out of my, out of my dreams at night. Is that what you're saying here? Quit you dreaming got, about you, it. Or? You get customized jersey at an NFL shop if you want to. <laughs> no, no one's going to stop you from doing that. I, I just think, you know, I try to be practical and, um, but I did look, I, I, I underestimated the Raiders stupidity. Uh, for trading Khalil Mack, but they got a big haul for that. And now you see in year three that, that Mack has been good, but definitely not great. And he's got a huge cap number next year, $26 million for the Bears. And, um, you know, hey, they're going to have to eventually come to terms with that and figure out what they're going to do there with him. Uh, but this is a quarterback. I mean, quarterbacks are so hard to find, especially the great ones. He's a great one. Put it this way, Nick, this isn't Cutler with the Broncos. Like, Sean Watson is a different animal. Sean Watson is like, next to J.J. Watt, is like the king of Houston, right? Most popular guy on the team. Everyone loves him. He's a great player. He's clutch. This isn't Jay working his way out of Denver when they fired Mike Shanahan. So, if they, listen, if they want to trade him, more power to him. Uh, but if they do want to trade them, I don't know if the Bears would have enough to get them. Fair enough. And I agree with you. I underestimated the Khalil Mack trade. So who knows what can happen in the NFL, especially this year. I do want to get to your other area of expertise before we wrap up, because I think I know we've only done a couple games this year, just with football season and everything. What do you think of this year's Loyola team? Of the Ramblers. That's my pet project. We have got uh, Jordan and I have got, I know we have the Northern Iowa series. 
Oh, that'll be a good one. Big. I think that's in February. Trying to get because the schedule's changing a lot, as you know. Very fluid right now in college basketball. So our schedule is a little bit uh, up in the air. I got to tell you, it is so refreshing for my soul to cover the Bears during my real world and then come to Loyola and, and cover that team and talk to Porter and the players. Um, I love I love that team. They're so deep. And Cameron Crutwig is the best big man, not just in the Valley, but the best big man in the country, best passing big man in the country. He can do whatever he wants. They're so deep in every position. I know there were some 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 issues in, in you know, before conference play. Look, you're never going to run the table. It's not going to be perfect. But I don't think there's going to be, Nick, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're, you're also the dean of the Valley here. I don't think there are many Valley teams that are going to match up with the Ramblers, do you? I don't, I don't see a lot of teams able to match up with them, especially since the injury uh, in Northern Iowa to their best player. I, I think um, I, would, I can't wait to see what the NCAA does as far as the tournament this year. Um, I think the Ramblers will, should get in. I think they should win the Valley and get in. And I'm not saying like it's going to be like a national Final Four run again or anything, but that's a team that I would not want to play. I mean, that's an experienced team with a great coach, um, that has built a winning program, a winning foundation. They just know how to win. So that would be a terrible draw for whoever gets them if they make the tournament, which I really do think, um, I know talking to Porter, um, that's the hope this year. I mean, that, the expectation is they want to be back in the NCAA tournament. And I don't blame them. Well, let me start by saying I'm flattered, but I think Barry Hinson still takes the title of Dean of the Valley. So I I think I got to give that one to Barry. I I think think you might be edging up Barry at this point. (laughs) That's some, that's some big shoes to fill if so, but I'm I'm really sad the Drake series got postponed this weekend because I think Drake's going to be the toughest matchup outside of maybe Bradley for this team. Those teams are both playing at high levels and those are the two series I have circled for series of the year in the league. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Drake has, has just been a, an excellent program last couple of years. Same thing with Bradley. I know, and that's and it's um, you know the one thing with with the Ramblers, and it was it was so it was so interesting to talk to Porter about this because you know when a team like Loyola has gone through COVID, like everyone everyone had it, and every coach had it, almost everyone had it. Um, you know, they're not going to shut down again. So they're, I mean, they're just in such a position where now it's like they get all amped up to play and it's dependent on the other team not to have a COVID issue in their program. Um, it's just weird how how they sort of got through all that ahead of a lot of these other programs and now they're kind of at the mercy of everybody else. I know, but you know what? I think it's a team that that when you're well-coached and you got a great program, you roll the punches – you can be disciplined, and uh, and they'll do what they have to do. But I think it's a very – it's an exciting year for basketball in the state of Illinois, too. I went to Illinois. Mm-hmm. I mean, Final Line and I are, are terrific this year. Um, Northwestern had big wins early on. I mean, North Illinois came back and smoked them the other night in the second half. But, you know, that's fun. I, I feel bad that Paul is really stuck in the mud as far as getting going. But but uh, great year for basketball in this state. And I – I just wish more people in Chicago loved college basketball the way Nick, you and I do, because uh, I love it. It's just, everyone's like, ah, it's a pro town in Chicago, but it really shouldn't be. We've got great college basketball and none better than the Ramblers the last couple of years in the quarter. I've been saying that for four years. I'm right there with you. I mean, the college teams in Illinois and in that town, I mean, it's, 
it is awesome that they're all on the rise. Even DePaul, I think DePaul is going to get there at some point with the new AD. You just got to take a little bit of time. Before I let you go, JD, thank you again for being so generous with your time. I have to ask, what's your prediction for Bear Saints? I think I, uh, again, we have to turn our predictions in like by Wednesday. So I always forget because we have this like huge budget of things we got to do every week. And we always have to have like a prediction and some, it's either a bold prediction or something like, what did you know? And then a score. I had the Saints 30 and the Bears 21. Um, Mike Triplett, who covers the Saints for ESPN, my counterpart in New Orleans, who's actually from Chicago. Um, I think Mike had the Saints by seven or eight. So we're somewhere in that seven to nine point range is what we thought. So maybe the Bears would cover, uh, but ultimately just don't think they uh, just don't think that they have enough. And I just don't think they're playing defense well enough to upset a team like the Saints uh, on the road. Not the same Superdome that I, I, I've lost my hearing in that building before many a times. I've had wild moments in the Superdome. I had friends get arrested left and right in the Sugar Bowl back in 2001 when I was down there with Illinois. Um, no arrests in the press box, but I'm there for my professional matters as a Bears reporter. But that's a really, really loud place. It's not going to be that way tomorrow because of the limited number of fans that they're letting in. Uh, people that'll be in the building, but still, I, I just I don't see it. I think I think Drew Brees, you know, operates that offense at such high efficiency indoors. And if it was in Chicago, I might get, I might, might give the Bears a better chance to win in New Orleans. Though I, I don't see it, so I had the Bears uh, losing thirty twenty one. That means they'd cover. So I should probably look at that spread then if I'm going on tomorrow. But don't blame me if you lose. No, I won't. I won't. I'll blame Triplet. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> But we have been talking with Jeff Dickerson of ESPN.com NFL Nation covering the Bears. Hear him hosting game night Saturdays. JD, thank you so much again for the time. This was a lot of fun, my friend. We got to do this again sometime. You bet, Nick. Uh, Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the Bears game tomorrow, okay? Appreciate it. Thanks. I mean it when I say that was my favorite interview I've done on this show. And I've had some cool guests on, and Jeff Dickerson was my favorite. You heard the conversation. We were having fun, and he took the time to come on the show. We, I mean, we stayed in touch, and he – I've been kind of open about this on the show before I landed it on three. The job search was not easy for me, and, I mean, my, my parents were great supporters, my, my brother and sister. Jeff Dickerson served as a reference for me, and – he, I went, I went back and looked with how this worked out with on three. He was on the resume when I got the job on the news desk for on three. You know, I, I miss him. This week sucked. This show has sucked. But I go back to a quote. If you know me and you listen to the show, you know I, I like movie quotes. And there's a quote that I haven't gotten out of my head it's after Andy Dufresne pulls out the escape from Shawshank and the Shawshank Redemption and Red is remembering all the stuff that they talked about about Andy after he left and they were reminiscing and there's a line that I go to and I guess I just missed my friend 
He impacted a lot of lives, including mine, Bears fans. I mean, the outpouring of support for Parker's Fund. I listened to ESPN 1000 on Wednesday, the day after. I called into Cap and Jay Hood, and I'm grateful they took my call and let me kind of ramble like I am now. I am forever grateful to have known Jeff Dickerson for the last five years, and he was a great supporter, a great help, a great mentor, and a great friend. And I'm going to miss him. Some of the support this week came from Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach. And I know I have my thoughts on Matt Nagy as a football coach. But you will never once hear me say anything about him as a person. And if you want more proof, the Bears posted this video yesterday and I unfortunately didn't pull a sound from it. Matt told this story in his first press conference after J.D. passed away that before the draft last year, J.D. texted him saying he predicted they were going to draft Tevin Jenkins. The Bears did draft Tevin Jenkins in the second round. Tevin Jenkins wears number 76 for the Bears, so the Nagy family went to the GoFundMe page for Parker Dickerson and donated $7,600. You can disagree with Matt Nagy as a football coach all you want. But you won't hear anybody say anything really bad about him as a person. And same thing goes for J.D. Everything you've read about Jeff Dickerson as a good person, as a great human being. His smile lit up a room. It was infectious. It's all true. And if you need more proof that that's true, I mean, look, look at Parker's Fund, look at Twitter, look at Facebook. He impacted a lot of lives, including mine. And I'll be forever grateful. He'd also want me to move on instead of talking about him for 40 minutes. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to start with what he called his pet project. That the other thing he loved doing besides covering the Bears and coaching Parker and being there for Parker was calling Loyola Chicago basketball games. And Loyola basketball has had trouble finding a game for the last 23 days. And today's game, there was supposed to be a game today, actually, well, a couple times there was supposed to be a game today. So Loyola was supposed to play Southern Illinois to start Missouri Valley play. Southern Illinois has COVID issues, games getting postponed. So given the 23-day layoff, Loyola went out and found St. Xavier which, are they NAIA or are they D3? I can never remember. Either way, it's, it's a non-D1 game just to get some reps in. And the game was supposed to be played today about 20 minutes before we came out on the air today. Loyola put out a press release saying, due to positive COVID cases within St. Xavier's team personnel, today's scheduled game has been canceled. So that's... Another day off for Loyola, which is gearing up to go to Illinois State on, fri or on Friday, on Wednesday, to start Missouri Valley play. So yeah, if it feels like it's been a while since we've seen the Ramblers on the court, that's because it has. The last time Loyola took the court was December 10th when they beat Vanderbilt on Vanderbilt's home court. So yeah, it's been a while. And Wednesday, they'll hopefully get back at it. I know I've missed watching Loyola basketball games. 
But more importantly here, Missouri Valley play starts today. The road to Arch Madness begins right now. This is a great time of year. All the Valley teams are playing. All, all the Valley teams are playing each other. And anything can happen. It's the old sports saying anything can happen on any given night. I understand that's a cliche. In the Missouri Valley, it's true. And the best part about it, we go through this conference season here, through the regular season, everything gets thrown out the window at Enterprise Center in St. Louis in March. So I'm excited for this for this Missouri Valley season. It's Loyola's last in the Missouri Valley before moving on to the Atlantic 10 next year. And I think it's going to be a fun season. And I got to thinking about this last couple of weeks. I got bored, you know, thinking about what's coming up in the new year, how with the new job at on three, I'm not really doing as much with the Valley in terms of like written work and what I was doing last year with my, with my blog and the show and the post games for Loyola's and whatnot. Here's something fun that I'm going to try to do this year. And you're all going to work through it with me because I've never done this before. Every Monday, or most every Monday if I can pull it off, we're going to do Twitter spaces. And if you don't know what Twitter spaces are, I know it's like a new thing. It's basically what I'm doing now with a radio show, except it'll be on Twitter and I can, quote-unquote, take calls. I can have other people on to talk, and we can have fans on. I can have reporters on. We can do whatever. It's kind of like a radio show on Twitter is how I understand it. I've sat in on a couple to kind of get the feel for it. We're going to try that this year. And the first one's going to be tomorrow. Time to be determined yet. But we're going to try it. We're going to see how it goes because I, I love talking Missouri Valley basketball and Loyola basketball. And I do it once a week here in this space, but I, I want to do more with fan interactions. So we're going to try that starting tomorrow. And we're going to try to do it every Monday through the regular season. And then hopefully, if I can work it out, I want to make a trip to Arch Madness this year. So I've got a lot in store. This is just for fun. We're going to see how it goes. But the big thing now is to get Missouri Valley play off the ground today. And here is the slate of games. You've got Bradley, Indiana State coming up at the top of the hour. You've got Evansville, Northern Iowa, and Illinois State Valpo at 1. And then Drake, Missouri State closes out the day at 7. Obviously, Southern Illinois is dealing with COVID issues and is not playing today. And Loyola had its game with St. Xavier canceled because of more COVID issues. Now, speaking of college sports, yesterday I was watching college game day. As I do on Saturdays, because when you write for the news desk of a college, college sports company, football, basketball, you watch college game day on Saturdays. And I'm watching and I'm listening and I was whatever I was doing, I looked up. Because I couldn't believe the conversation that was being had. 
Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard were talking about the opt-outs of the bowl games this year. Because there have been plenty of opt-outs. You know, Kenneth Walker III at Michigan State opted out. Kenny Pickett, who was a Heisman contender, opted out. Kenneth Walker III should have been a Heisman finalist, but we won't talk about that right now. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson at Ohio State opted out. So these big names, were they weren't playing in these games, except obviously the college football playoff games, the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl. Those teams were basically at full strength because they're playing for a national championship. So that's led people to say the other bowl games, the non-CFP games, are quote-unquote meaningless. Well, Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard had some thoughts on this. And I'm just going to... I'm just going to leave this here. Money, the amount of money, like what's the difference as a player in saying these games are meaningless when Des, we played in quote unquote meaningless games. I mean, I know you guys were right. here a lot, but I just don't understand if you don't make it to the playoff, how is it meaningless to yeah. play football and compete? Isn't that what we do as right. football players? We, we compete. So yeah. I, I, don't know if I don't know if changing and expanding it yeah. is going to ch change anything. I really don't. I think this era of player just doesn't love football. That's what I was about to say. We're dealing with a total men different mentality when we're dealing with these um, student athletes nowadays, especially the football players. I mean, their whole mentality right now is about the championship, the playoff. We got to get into the, the CFB or the CFP. And because of that, they don't value the bowl games. Now, when we were coming up, Herb Street and myself, like to go to a bowl game was a huge reward for a fantastic season. That's what it meant. It's like, okay, your team played this well, so you're going to be rewarded by going to this bowl game. You're going to get a ring. You're going to get swag. Now, kids don't really care about that. They're, they're, they, they, they have a sense of entitlement. And it's like if we're not going to the one that matters, then, you know, it just doesn't have as much value to them as it did us growing up. Players just don't love football these days. That's the quote that got me to – that, that's the one that got me to look up and say, did he really just say that? And I had to write about it for on three. And I was as I was transcribing it, I'm like, did he really say this? Now, I, I do have to, as I'm kind of critiquing the comments, I do have to give credit where it's due. Reese Davis, who hosts College Game Day, after they were done, he turned to Herb Street and gave him a chance to try and clarify it on the spot. And here's what Herbie had to say in that little bit to try and clarify what he said. I don't think he made it better. I do want to give you a chance to clarify because that was a pretty sweeping comment that players don't love football. It, Not all of them. Right. But, I just want to make sure that you, people okay, don't misunderstand that. Let me put it that. this way. Yeah. Every coach that I talk to in the country, when I'm breaking down a, you know, a roster, I'm going over there too deep in a production meeting, and one of the things they'll say to me on a guy that, like N'Kobe uh, Dean, this guy loves, loves ball. Right. And I'll be like, when they first started to say that to me, I was like, y yeah. Yeah, of course. But now I'm starting right. to realize, like, no, this guy's a gym rat. Like, he'd be here. Yeah. Even if we didn't ask him to be here, he'd be here. And that's becoming more rare. Exactly. And the reason that's becoming exactly. more rare is yeah. they have so many distractions. They, you know, they have this and they have video games. And they just don't grow up with the same passion, I think. Right. We had, there's some that still do, but I don't think as many. So let me get this straight. Not enough guys love football enough. And at one point in the interview, I don't it wasn't in these clips. 
Herbie pointed to like he, they got his phone, he's got his video games. That they're distractions. Okay, first let's talk about opting out because this is something I've thought long and hard about. I got two. I've got two different thoughts on these comments here. The first is about opt outs. Now, don't get me wrong. When I want to watch the Citrus Bowl, the Rose Bowl, I want to see teams at full strength. When I want to watch Ohio State, I want to see Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Now, granted, Jackson Smith and Jigba did something literally nobody's ever seen last night. And it was an amazing performance. And that was because Olave and Wilson didn't play. But when I watch Michigan State, I want to watch Kenneth Walker III. That's obviously the goal as a fan, is you want to see the best players. But if you're going to criticize players for opting out of bowl games to focus on the NFL draft, why are we not talking more about the coaches who left before bowl games? Lincoln Riley coached Oklahoma in Bedlam on Saturday night, a Saturday night last month. The next day, actually no, the next night, he took the job at USC. So he left right away. Brian Kelly had Notre Dame in contention for the college football playoff. If Oklahoma State, let me let me, let me remember if I get this right, if if Georgia beat Alabama and Oklahoma State lost in their respective conference championship games. Notre Dame would have been in the college football playoff. That obviously didn't happen. But we didn't know that when Brian Kelly left Notre Dame for LSU. There was a chance that Notre Dame would have played in the Cotton Bowl without its head coach. And it would have had first-time head coach Marcus Freeman running Brian Kelly's system. Tell me more about players opting out. Let's also look at Mario Cristobal at Oregon. He left Oregon for Miami. Brian McClendon took over. And now they're bringing in Dan Lanning from Georgia. My point here, if we're going to criticize players for opting out of bowl games, and trust me, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the opt-outs, but that said, if you're going to let coaches walk away from their teams before bowl games, the players should be allowed to opt out too. Now, if you want to clamp down and say, okay, coaches, if you're coaching your team, unless you're fired, you can't leave before a bowl game, and I'm not even sure you can do that. But if there was some way to get coaches to stick around through the bowl games instead of leaving their teams for other jobs for bigger pay, maybe that could calm things down too. Everyone talks about the transfer portal. And trust me, I'm not the biggest fan of the portal. I think it's still got some it's got some issues that need to be worked out. But the coaching carousel this year was insane. So if you're going to criticize players for opting out to focus on the NFL draft and making more money, why don't we also criticize the coaches for leaving their programs for more money? And moreover, going back to the players loving football comment, did anyone watch the Sugar Bowl last night? When Matt Corral had that, I think it was an ankle injury. I don't know what the eventual diagnosis was. Matt Corral could be, at least heading into last night, 
he was in position to be one of, if not the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft. If that injury is serious enough to hurt his draft stock, you want to tell me that guy doesn't love football? That could be a career-changing injury last night because Matt Corral was going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft out of Ole Miss. And I haven't seen anything more on the severity of the injury. But if it is a severe enough injury to impact his draft stock, please tell me more about how he doesn't love football and how he didn't go out there and play for his guys and play for his team. I'm just going to leave it there. Quickly, before I wrap up, because I've got two things I really want to talk about here in the last seven minutes of the show. How about the Chicago Bulls? Oh, my goodness. Did you watch these games this weekend? DeMar DeRozan. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. DeMar DeRozan. The shot against Indiana on New Year's Eve, which Zach Levine has called the New Year's Eve heave, that was amazing to beat the Pacers. And then, what's even better, to come back around and do it last night in Washington, D.C. on the second half of a back-to-back, my goodness. Basketball reference says DeMar DeRozan's the first player to ever make two buzzer-beating game winners on back-to-back nights in NBA history. Now you're seeing more MVP talk, which I've been talking about on these airwaves and on my podcast for the last few weeks. Get this man in the MVP conversation. Remember when people thought this was the worst signing of the offseason and people didn't think it was going to work at all? I think it's working out just fine because the Bulls, the one and only Chicago Bulls, are in first place in the Eastern Conference. They're a game up now on the Brooklyn Nets. The Bulls are 24-10. and 10. Just a friendly reminder that the over-under for win totals was as low as 39.5 or 40.5, depending on where you looked at the beginning of the season. I got 41.5. DeMar DeRozan was plus 7,000 about three weeks ago to win the MVP. Now he's down to plus 4,000. That's a tie for the seventh best odds. This Bulls team is legit, and I've been telling you all year. Watch this team. They are a top four team in the East. And DeMar DeRozan is a huge reason why. You saw that firsthand this weekend. And one thing before I get to my last thing here, this is something I just want to give a shout out to. Casey Johnson did something. He he very much impressed me this weekend. During Friday's game on New Year's Eve, Adam Amin had a COVID testing issue. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was like an inclusive test. If I don't know what happened. They pulled him from the broadcast mid-game. Casey Johnson took over play-by-play from his seat on press row, which if you're looking at a basketball court, he was behind the basket instead of courtside. And I, li- I listened to as much as I could before I had to go to the bowl games for my job at on three. He did an amazing job. And to, to pivot like that and do that, to never have done that before, play-by-play is not easy. And KC did a fantastic job. And he wrote about... What went through his head, he wrote about it today at NBCSportsChicago.com. Go read it. He did a very, very good job. And he also said he's grateful he wasn't on the call for DeRozan's game-winning shot because Adam Amin did come back on the broadcast. So shout-out to Casey Johnson 
for doing what he did on Friday. That was awesome. All right, Bears-Giants coming up at noon on CBS today. The Bears won last week at Seattle. Could not believe they won last week. I didn't think they were going to score 10 points. This is now two bad teams playing today. Nick Foles led the Seahawks to victory last week, which means Matt Nagy is going to start Andy Dalton this week because that makes sense. We got an update on the Matt Nagy situation as well this morning from Ian Rappaport. He wrote this today for NFL.com. According to multiple sources, Chicago appears primed to have a new head coach for the 2022 season and is expected to begin its search for Matt Nagy's successor after Week 18. So the Bears are going to let Nagy finish out the year. And he goes on to say, according to those in the building, Nagy has been business as usual, not making his future a major topic of conversation and focusing only on his team closing out the season the right way. There are factors he can handle and factors he can't, and he has been focused on those he can. So the Bears are doing what I thought they would last week. Remember, I talked about this. If you're going to move on from the GM, which I haven't heard much more on Ryan Pace's future, why would you go looking for a head coach during this interview window? But again, I really hope that they give him notice they're going to do this. They're going to fire him so they can interview some of these candidates because the Jacksonville Jaguars are getting a leg up on everybody. Because you can interview candidates virtually if you inform your head coach that he's not returning. So if that's the case, the Bears need to get out in front of it. Tell Matt Nagy he's not coming back next year. Let him finish out week 18. Get interviews started now. That's if you want Ryan Pace in on these interviews. Because I don't want Ryan Pace anywhere near the next head coach. So I guess it does kind of make sense to finish out the year clean house, which is kind of what it's kind of what Jeff Dickerson said in the interview from last year, that the Bears could go one more year with this regime and make changes. That's what that's what happened. And I just saw on my TV here, they just held a moment of silence for JD. Which is for JD and John Madden, because John Madden passed away the same day JD died. So that was very cool. And they've got a seat, JD's seat in the press box has his pictures and it's set up like it would be for a normal game day, which is a very cool tribute. You got two bad teams playing today. I think the Bears win this one 17 to 10, because the Giants are just that bad. So I think the Bears do actually win this game. And we're going to see what happens next week. Next week's the season finale, by the way. And I'm very curious to see where the Bears go in terms of their head coach and general manager the Monday after. I'm going to wrap it up here for this week's show. Thank you, everybody, for listening and indulging me today on the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WWW 88.7 FM. Bears-Giants coming up at noon on CBS. My thanks again to Jeff Dickerson. I'm going to miss him like crazy. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. And we'll be right back here next week for week 18 of the NFL season, and we'll have plenty more to talk about as well. Have an awesome week, everybody.